Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Well, this morning we want to taste and see. Have you heard that statement, taste and see? Many of you can probably finalize that statement in Scripture, and we'll read it today. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Psalms 34, 1 through 15. I know that the women were blessed on Friday. Come on, were you blessed? I'm telling you, it's powerful stuff. You do not want to take it for granted, the things that God is preparing for you and through you. For the days are short, and you don't want to miss one moment. I said you don't want to miss one moment. Hallelujah. You just need to understand, uh, things centered around God is all that will remain. It is life. I said it's life. And the things that are going on in the world are really just a cheap imitation and a distraction of things that are true source of life. And so, you know, you want to soak up all that God has for you. Amen. In Psalms 34, we'll start in verse 1. We're going to read a few few, uh, verses here. Um, But man, the Lord is awesome. And living in the kingdom is is even greater than anything you could ever experience. Are you hearing me? And man, it's just amazing when you begin to read things that the King David penned while he was under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Uh, It wasn't always in the best of times when he penned some of the most powerful things um, because he knew where his strength came from. I tell you, he knew where his strength came from, who his deliverer was. And you understand, we're in a new and better covenant. I said we're in a new and better covenant than even King David was. King David longed for the day we're in. And you know what? There's going to come a day when we are caught up together with him in the air. We'll put on a glorified body. We'll come back to the earth with him. And we'll be among uh, humans that are like us in the flesh. But the devil will have been bound and thrown in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. Jesus himself will be on the planet ruling and reigning. And we'll say, my gosh, if it had been like this when we were here the last time. It just keeps getting better. Hallelujah. And so, you know, you'll look at those humans in those skin suits that we used to be in as we're navigating uh, the world during that millennial reign with Christ. And we'll be like, seriously, if if it had all if if we could have went to Jerusalem and talked to Jesus personally and you're going to what are you doing right now? Come on now. You understand King David saying, he's saying, seriously, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Ghost. I had to go to a temple. I had to go to a temple. I had, he came upon me and then left me. He would come on me and then go. But you had him in you all the time. Then he came upon you. You had both power and presence walking around with you. What is your excuse? Say, I don't have one. (laughs) I don't have one. Amen. So we just keep rising up to the standard of God. Amen. You know, here at Anchor Bay Church, we're not here to dumb down the word to make you feel good. We're here to raise the standard of where the word is so that you'll go ahead and raise up with him. Why? Because in the spirit, you've already been raised up. 
You're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so you might as well live that way, act that way, behave that way. Are you hearing me? Since you've been made righteous, then go ahead and let it be displayed. Praise the Lord. So Psalms 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. How many times? When it's good, when it's bad, whatever it is, I'm just going to bless the Lord, right? His praise will continually be in my mouth. Amen. You know, I got this picture while I was was praising the Lord on the front row, you know. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of guys, probably even in this sanctuary right now, that when their team won yesterday, they had a shout of praise. But yet won't sing in church. Well, that's a problem. That tells me who's God's God. Are you hearing me? That if a team that doesn't know your name nor died for you can get a shout in your room, in your house, but yet the king who died on a cross for you, shed his blood, can't get a praise, can't get a hand up. I mean, I went to a game Friday. My grandson was playing in a playoff game, and if they won, they'd go to the state championship. And lo and behold, they won. So they go on a state championship. But I'm telling you, I saw guys make make hits, make plays, and those boys were shouting, and they were screaming. I wonder what they look like today in church. I wonder if they're even in church. Say amen anyway. Because you understand, there's not, I can shout at a game, but that shouts never more than the praise of my mouth for my king. I will not give the, the world an expression that I'm unwilling to give God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, you understand it's hunting season. I wonder how many men are in the woods right now and dropped a deer and started shouting. Oh, you don't want to hear this. All right. I mean, we could just go everywhere here. I wonder how many women saw their daughter give birth to a child and started shouting but didn't come to church. I mean, I've seen some mamas shouting to stand for their kids and then show up in church and can't hardly sing, can't even move out of their seats or intimidated by their husband beside them. Oh, I'm preaching way better. Now, this doesn't happen here because we all have a shout of praise. We all love God. Surely none of us would do that in this location. But you understand there are other places that are dealing with this deal right now. (laughs) And again, it's obvious I mean, again, it's nothing personal. You know, at the end of the day, you still, this is about you and your relationship with the king and then your responsibility to the church. Because when you know what he did, I mean, and when it's real to you, I'm not talking, because you understand, uh, we got a lot of young people in here, you know, that were raised up in church, you know, and I, and I get around, you know, some of the students, uh, and I realize, you know, they didn't live that life that their parents lived before they got right. And then next thing you know, their parents are doing everything they can to raise them so they don't make those choices or, you know, uh, show them a way of living so those choices uh, won't be a part of their life. But here's the thing, the DNA is in those kids. And the same spirits that influence you is going to influence them. And ultimately, they're going to have to make that decision. But what the, those spirits do is they begin to talk to them and tell them, you know what? You can navigate out there. You can handle it where your parents couldn't. Nobody can handle it. Many of y'all got a shout because you know what you were delivered from. Right? But here's the thing. 
You, it should be a greater shout when you never had to be delivered from something because you always understood what it was that God was keeping you from in the first place. You had enough wisdom to say, I'm not going down that path. I mean, you know, some of the kids, you know, when you have multiple kids as you as a parent, you know, the younger ones begin to look up the line and say, you know, I'm not going to do that because daddy whipped you. Daddy whipped your tail big time. And every time you do that, daddy whips you. So why would I do that? I learned by example. Thank you for teaching me not to do that. Amen. That's called wisdom. Instead, I, let's see if I can do it without daddy whipping me. And what do you learn? No, daddy whip you too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, they should. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just believe we're going to change DCF for it's all over with. Hallelujah. They're going to enact corporal punishment again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> all right, let's go on. Um, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord and the humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my Fears. Oh my gosh. Woo! Glory to God. I sought the Lord. So don't come up into this house and tell me you sought God and nothing happened. Because I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me out of all my fears. Because the minute I get out of fear, then the trouble has got to go. Oh, man, y'all going to make me preach this morning. <laughs> they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. I mean, these are people seeking the will of God. God, I need an answer. I need to know what you want to do here. What do I need to change? How do I need to adjust? What needs to be different? How do I need to respond? What is your way of doing this? I'm seeking you. You go answer me. And when I do it your way, you're going to deliver me. And then my face is never ashamed because God will do what he says every time he says it because he has the final say. I said he has the final say. Woo, glory to God. The final say. The final say. He has the final say. He's the king. He's the king. Woo, glory to God. What is wrong with y'all? Y'all getting God or something up in here. It only took 20 years to get here. Glory to God. Man, church should be like this all the time. Get this kind of expectation. And I blame the vision partners. I talked to you about expectation, and you must have brought it today. Glory to God. Oh, let's go on. Let's see if I can get to another verse. He said, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. All his trouble. There's not a trouble that God cannot deliver you and save you. There's not one. There's not an exception. Not one. Can't happen. It can't happen. There's nothing you in that he can't. 
The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. I mean, you want angels to show up? Start fearing the Lord. And you'd be like, there's one here, there's one here, there's one right here, there's one right here. Look, there's one there. You see this one? This one really big and got a pretty nice good sword that's on fire right now. They're encamped around me because I fear the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean I'm afraid of God. That means I am in awe of his presence, and there's no way I would ever want to live, behave, or act in such a way that would be a, a, a shame upon who he is, that would, would, not, would discredit his name and his character. Are you hearing me? So the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Woo! Oh my gosh. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Woo! You'd have thought I had been fasting for five days. The way y'all acting up in here. This is awesome. Glory to God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man, my gosh, who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is But I know what happened if I had one. They wouldn't know what to do either. Because this is not emotional. It's spiritual. I've been in the church where they were, and they couldn't even play because the spirit moved in, and they're like, this is a little different. But I'm going to get me a Holy Ghost field organ player one day. Woo, glory to God. Ma, ma, ma. There is no want. None. None. My gosh, man. All you got to do is qualify for that. How do you qualify for that? Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those, say I'm one of those. Say I'm one of those. For to those who fear him, there is no want. There's no want. There is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. My, my, my. This is good stuff. Come on, verse 11. This is how the word does you. This is what the word does to you. I mean, we don't have to do, we just read the word and get jacked up, right? Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life? Come on, who is this man? And loves length of days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Oh, my, my, you want to have length of days? You want to be a blessed man? Then you better hold on to your tongue. You better watch what you say. Your decree better line up with the word. 
You better keep your mouth with the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus and don't put your mouth with the law of, uh, of death. Are you hearing me? We've been redeemed. I said we've been redeemed from the law of sin and death. We've been redeemed. I don't speak death. I don't speak that. I speak life. I speak what Christ says. Then he says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Glory to God. Come on, glory to God. The eyes. I said the eyes. I mean, God's looking around right now on the planet and he got stuck in St. Augustine because there's a church right now that his eyes have gone towards, oh my goodness. He said, I can't look any further. Right, look at this righteous bunch down here. Look at them praising me. Look at them worshiping me. Look at them honoring me. Look at them only wanting to do what I say and seek my face. Oh, there'll be no want with those people. No want with any of them. Oh, my, my, my. And he'll deliver you out of all your trouble. Woo, glory. Because that group has put aside evil, has thrown away the perverse and wicked tongue. They don't live in deceit, but they follow the word of the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! The word taste means to perceive. It means to perceive as the ability to distinguish between thoughts. So when he says taste and see, that means taste. Perceive between thoughts. Recognize what God's saying and what he's not. And when you take what God's saying, you'll see that the Lord is good. That he's good. That he's good. Why? Because he always does what he says. He always. I said he always. God always does what he says. He always does what he says. God doesn't have a plan B. He doesn't. He's had one plan from existence, and he'll keep that plan. Now, he will has made amendments for our sake so we can get back into his plan A. He's done that because plan A is let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them rule. Let them rule. Let them rule like me. They're going to co-labor with me. They're going to be my kings. They're going to be my kings. And when Adam ate the fruit and fell from dominion, God says, I'm going to create an amendment. I'm going to give them another way in. I'll put my own son in the earth. I'll put him in a flesh suit. I'll legally get him in. He'll die for them. He'll pay the price for that penalty of sin. And if they'll call on his name, I get them back into plan A. So plan B for humanity is going to the lake of fire. You better get out of plan B. I said, you better get up out of plan B and get back over into plan A and call on the name of the Lord. I hear it. Well, now the Lord didn't do that for me. You know what? You ain't heard the Lord because God always does what he says. I said, he always does what he says. He always does what he says. 
Because if you're going to have a final say, you got to know what he said. And if you don't know what he says, wishing don't work. Crying don't get it done. Crying alone and being emotional doesn't move God. But when you seek the Lord, that means what are you saying about this thing, God? Because if you give me a word, I'll never come off it and you'll have to perform it. Are you hearing me? The Bible says that God is looking over his word to perform it, to perform it. So you got to ask yourself, is the word in you? Is the word in you? Is the word hidden in your heart? Come on, are you hearing me? Man, y'all just might stay the whole time. That's fine. Stand on up. So all this Psalms we can start to see is lived out in the new covenant in James chapter one. In James chapter one over in verse 21, it says, so strip yourselves of everything impure, of all the evils prevailing around you and and in humble spirit, welcome the message which when rooted in your hearts is able to save your souls. My gosh, this is the Williams translation. So again, when we were reading in Psalms, we see that if you wanna have long life, if you wanna make sure that you are always blessed, then you gotta turn away from evil. You gotta keep your mouth from talking ways and you gotta stay away from deceit. And so James is saying here, he said, now listen, you got to strip yourself of everything um, impure and all the evils prevailing around you. Listen, we're in a world that is still fallen, but that doesn't intimidate God. God's never been intimidated with an evil world because he is good and good only and good always prevails. Light always overcomes darkness. The king always conquers. Because listen, I know it's bad and it's going to get worse, but it ain't, it ain't so bad that God is intimidated by that. In fact, so much so that when nobody was born again, no one was living for God, nobody's spirit was right with God, Jesus showed up. Jesus walked around with a, on a, in a planet with a covenant nation that was in absolute rebellion. In fact, that covenant nation was the leaders who put him on a cross. And he still shows up. He was in all this conflict, yet he was able to not yield to it one bit. And do you think he's intimidated that you're in the earth right now? Do you think he's scared for you? Do you think he's worried whether you're going to make it or not? No, what he's trying to do is get you to discover who you already are so that you will then navigate as God has made you in Christ. That means in the king so that you'll function this way. But now that we're in this world, we're not of. Meaning we don't yield to its systems, its way of doing, its behaviors, its actions, its thoughts. We renew our minds to act like king's kids. We're royalty. I said we're royalty. You are a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. This is the royal family right here. And being a royal, in the royal family is not based upon your feelings. It's based upon your birthright. And if you've been born of God or how the Bible writes it as born again, it literally means born from above, then you are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, you are joint heirs with Christ. You have been raised up and seated in heavenly places. You spiritually are in the position of being on a throne right now. When God looks at you, he says, you're a king. In essence, he says, you do something about it by saying what I say in the earth. 
and don't hesitate to believe it. So you got to strip yourself of everything impure and all the evils that prevail around you, you're like, whatever, it's not going to stop me and the purpose God has for my life. And in humble spirit, welcome the message. Meaning, when it says humble spirit, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm no good. You know, I don't deserve anything. That is not a humble spirit. That is a prideful spirit. That's how a prideful spirit talks. I know I didn't deserve anything. I get that. A humble spirit is, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm only going to do it your way. So I humble myself to your way. And whatever that is, and no matter how much persecution comes with it, I'll do that word, period. Because I'm not coming off, I'll do whatever my dad says. That's a humble spirit. Because a humble spirit will declare brave things, courageous things. Are you hearing me? A humble spirit is a courageous spirit. I said a humble spirit is a created, create, courageous spirit. A humble spirit will speak to a lion. A, 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 a humble spirit will speak to a king and say, put me in the fiery furnace anyway. A, a, a humble spirit will speak to a winds and waves and storms. Will talk to cancer. Are you hearing me? Because we're only doing what God says anyway. So... In, the, in, in a humble spirit, welcome the message which, when rooted in your hearts, is able to save your soul. Because when you're going through conflict, it's only your mind struggling. It sure isn't your spirit. And if you'll save your mind, get this thing together up here so that you're like, we're just going to believe the word, period. You know, doctor calls and says, well, it looks really enlarged on one side of their heart. You know, concern, let's go ahead and move to another test. You know what they say? I, my mind's not getting involved here. I'll save this thought process. There's only one way. Healed. 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 Amen. And I believe create a miracle, get in play, and actually put the valve in there in the first place. And then they'll be like, how did this valve show up? But God. I said, but God. Amen. Because here's the thing. You qualify for miracles when you humble yourself and you have the fear of the Lord. And you don't take anything off the table according to what he says. Because if the king says, let him put one in, then you'll do it because what the king says goes. As opposed to, well, it has to be this way, God. God's like, look, I got a whole nother thing working when I do it this way. And it's bigger. Than just what I can do because it includes people's lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, let's go on. He says, keep on obeying this message. Do not merely listen to it. And so, so coming to church can make you worse. Church does not guarantee change. Listening to the word does not guarantee change. Applying the word that you are having revealed through hearing will bring change. And so what did the psalmist say? The psalmist said um, that, that a man who desires life and length of days and wants to see good keeps his tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. And you know whether you're doing the words you're saying. You know it. Because your heart knows whether you really are in faith or not. And he says, you got to keep on obeying this message. Do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourself. Because if anyone merely listens to the message without 
without, without obeying it, he is like a man who looks in a mirror at his own face for he looks and then goes off and at once forgets how he looked. But the man who looks at the faultless law that makes men free, meaning when a person looks and sees the word, he tastes and sees, he perceives the thoughts of God and he sees that this word will change my condition, position, situation. And I'm going to stand on, I'm going to obey what it says. That person then, it keeps on looking, proving himself uh, not a forgetful hearer, but an actual doer of what it requires will be what? Blessed in what he does. When you actually do what is required, what is required, because God is saying things that have requirements. Has Jesus Christ died on the cross? Yes. Has he risen from the dead? Yes. Has he poured out his blood on the mercy seat in heaven? Yes. Has he forgiven the world of all their sin? Yes. Then why is not everybody already saved? Because there's a requirement. And the requirement is you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that those actions were for you and you accept those terms and you acknowledge Jesus as supreme and authority of your life, that you repent of your way of doing it and you're going to do it his way now. You're going to become an effectual doer of his way to the Father. And when you meet the requirement, you actually do what's required by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth Jesus as Lord, then God will do what you could not do and that is change your spirit that was dead and separated from God, evict it out of your skin suit and put a brand new spirit on the inside that's now in the likeness of God that is in Christ that wants to hear the Father, can hear the Father, and is incapable of actually sinning. Then he'll put the Holy Ghost in there with your new spirit and personally train it. Give you access to kingdom knowledge so that you can then do what you hear. Are you hearing me? Notice, in the kingdom, we're talking about God's kingdom, there is no such thing as knowledge without doing. It does not exist. You cannot tell me you know something and not do it. That doesn't exist in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, knowing is doing. If you know, then you do. That's how the kingdom functions. If you know, you do. That's how it functions. It's not I know, but I don't do. It's optional. Knowing may be half the battle, but it won't get to victory. Are you hearing me? In fact, knowing alone can hinder you. In fact, knowing without doing tells us you'll become deceived. And you'll blame God. I said you'll blame God. Now, Lord, I know what your word says. The Lord says, 
Well, if you know it, then do it. Because knowers do. And if you're just going to tell me what you know, and I know what you know, I'm shocked that you say you know, because if you know, you would do. But since you didn't do it, you're not doing it. Really, you're not a knower. You're a deceiver. Okay. So knowing something you don't do makes you a deceiver. And being deceived. And then you'll get offended with God. But you won't tell God that. You'll tell God's kids that. Because you'll end up blaming his kids. Because, you know, you still got a little bit of fear left that you're not going to tell God he ain't doing what he said. So you'll find an excuse, a scapegoat. And it's usually one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm preaching better, but that's how it is. So you can get rid of all this. See, when we talk these truths, it's not because we're trying to find you, although we may find you. It's about finding the place that we know that we live in perpetual blessings and we are always tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. In essence, we perceive all the time what are his thoughts and what are not his thoughts. We cast those thoughts down. We only keep his thoughts and we actually do those thoughts because the world should see us as doers, not hearers. Because there's nothing more confusing to the world to know you're going to a church where they assume you're hearing something, but then you're not, you don't look different, act different, talk different than they do. And you think they're going to believe that you are going to a place they're not going? Hallelujah. You understand? God knows you're growing. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to do some things you shouldn't and you're going to have to repent and you're going to ask God to forgive you. But it's just not because you're trying to stay in an old world you came out of. It's because you're growing to go into something else. So a person who looks intently, are you hearing what I'm saying? He won't forget what he hears. He'll be an actual doer of what's required and will be blessed in what he does. And didn't we hear the psalmist say that the person who fears the Lord, who sought him, called out to him, in essence, his calling out is according to how God said. Both King David and the Apostle Paul are a couple of great examples of them who put God in remembrance of his word. Now you said, when Paul was on a ship, that he tried to avoid getting on because the Holy Ghost let him know that a storm's out there and if you get on it, you're going to get stuck in it and when you get stuck in it, you're, probably, you're going to lose the cargo, lose the ship and people, really, it's so bad people are going to die unless something happens. So, he says, gentlemen, I perceive that we should not go. <laughs> we should just stay here. Well, they consulted the experts the leadership that are experts in their field, and they said, no, nah, it's not good to be here. Let's go. So Paul gets on. He said, well, why did Paul get on if he knew it was going? Why didn't he just say, I'm not going? Well, he was a prisoner. He didn't have that choice. And so the centurion who was overseeing his transfer to Rome said, Paul, we taking the ship. Get on. Now, Paul's like, well, this ain't going to turn out good. So he goes to prayer. And when he goes to prayer, this is what his prayer looks like while they're going out. He's like, Lord, 
I realize that we warned them on the shore and the storm. He probably asked, Lord, can I talk to the storm like you did? Can I talk to it? And the Lord's saying, no. You warned them, they're going to get it. So he says, okay, so what about their lives? Now, first of all, you said people are going to die. I can't die out here. He said that to God. He said, because you said that I would stand before Caesar in Rome. You said that. So I didn't want to get on. I warned them. They brought me here. So I can't be a casualty. And I'm reminding you that I can't die here. So if it goes down, it can't go down in a place that I can't survive. So I know I'm going to live. I will live and not die. And the storm came. And it looked bad, and everybody on the ship thought they were going to die. Hey, it was so bad it wouldn't eat. It was horrible. Horrible. They throwing over the cargo with their own hands stuff. But an angel shows up to confirm his prayers and says to him, now listen, God's heard you pray, and he's, 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 he, you're right. If you read Acts 27, he says, listen, you're right. You're going to stand before Caesar. So that is a conversation of reminding him. But he says, now God has granted your request. What was his request? That all these people we tried to warn. Listen, I told the leaders, they didn't tell the rest of the people. They're innocent bystanders of their wrongs decisions. Lord, I pray for their safety. Lord, get us to shore. Get us somewhere. Let us get close enough that we can get there. And he prayed for their protection. And the, Lord, and the angel said, the Lord has granted your request. No one's going to die. Paul stands up in the middle of the storm because when he was on the shore and everything looked great and says, we shouldn't go, there's a storm and you know, we'll lose the ship, cargo, and probably our lives. So let's stay. And they didn't listen to him. Now he's in the storm. Everybody thinks they're going to die. And he says, gentlemen, it's going to be all right. <laughs> you know, we're not going to die. This guy's crazy. He was crazy on the shore. He's crazy on the boat, right? He said, no, an angel of the Lord that I serve has told me and he tells them what he prayed. And so at that point, the centurion's like, you're in charge, Paul. She'll listen to you on the shore. We're going to do whatever you say. And so at that point, a couple of guys try to abandon ship. And Paul says, unless these men stay with a ship, I cannot guarantee their lives. Now the ship went down and all the supply. But they got close enough to an island that they were able to swim to the shore. And all 276 people were saved. Why? Because Paul was an effectual doer and not just a hearer. In essence, he said, how in the world can I die in a storm when I've been promised to stand before Caesar? He didn't let his emotions, I'm going to die. I thought I would go see Caesar. Oh my gosh, this didn't turn out like I thought it was. Oh, if they only would have listened to me. I can't believe you didn't listen to me. You're such a jerk, you centurion. That's funny, but how many believers get mad at others instead of saying, all right, let's regroup here because I'm going to taste and see because he's going to deliver me out of all my trouble. He tried to keep me on the shore and keep you, but that's all right. We in it now and we still going to come out on the other side. Are you hearing me? So whether you own the shore or whether you in the storm doesn't matter. Deliverance is yours. It didn't change. I said it didn't change. We all want to be delivered on the shore, but God will deliver you in the storm because you will have what you say when you say what he says. Okay, I guess all you shouting wore you out earlier. 
all right. <clears throat> James chapter 2. James chapter 2. See, I'm going to taste and see. In this time, in the last of the last days, in the last of the last days when the world's at its worst, I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good. Because this light's going to shine. It's not going to bow to darkness. It's not going to compromise. It's not going to cave in. It's not going to get worried. It's not going to fret. It's not going to get in shambles. It's not going to get up underneath all kind of sickness and disease. No, it's going to conquer. It's going to win. It's going to finish its course with joy and great strength. Woo, glory to God. God knew what he was doing when he put me in the planet. Amen. James chapter 2. You need to say that to yourself. God knew what he was doing when he put me in the planet. You know how many people are longing for those days of yesteryear? Of yesteryear. Are you hearing me? You know what? And it's, it's amazing to me how Christians get offended with this type of preaching. And the reason they get offended is because they want to feel their misery. And stay inadequate. Because when it doesn't turn out, they can blame God while praising him. Oh, yeah, we're going to see it here. <laughs> They're going to blame God while praising him. Because they want to be a victor, but they're too wrapped up in their victimhood. And so I can always, I, you know, I want nothing anyway. Because that's exactly how the devil wants you. Because if you'll never, listen, he's not intimidated with you going to heaven. He is intimidated with your kingship. Jesus said the works that I do. Even greater works will you do. Greater is he that's in me. in you. Jesus never cowered. Never cowered. And it's not a humble spirit to cower. It is taking the thoughts of your old daddy. Because dad, the old daddy, Satan, is still deceiving you that God's not more powerful than him here. That only actually happens when you go there. And that's just not true. Amen. We're more than conquerors now. But you're never going to conquer situations till you conquer your own mind. Praise the Lord. And accept you are what God said about you. James chapter 2 verse 14 says, What good is it, my brethren, if a man professes to have faith and yet his actions do not correspond, can such faith save him? Come on. Suppose a Christian brother or sister is poorly clad or lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, I wish you well, keep yourself warm and well fed. And yet, do not give them what they need. What is that? What is the use of that? Now, he's all he's doing. He's not technically telling you to go feed people here and clothe them. Although we do this, and you can do that. It's the illustration. You're saying to them you want them well, but you put no action to your words. So, in essence. Because you said it, what good is it? And you know, we bought that lie. That's right. 
Because this is what it sounds like in today's vernacular. Well, it's the thought that counts. The thought doesn't count without corresponding action. Thank you for thinking of me, but doing nothing for me. Right? Because if this is your thoughts towards me, they're not really great because they don't follow through. Most marriages are frustrated because of not follow through. Come on. All right. Yeah, I know. Stand up every man because you're going to have to take it like a man anyway. <clears throat> this is the reason why your wives are frustrated with you because you are always promising to do something that you're not finishing. And you got to finish the course at the end of the day. Right? So it'd be better to be quick to hear and slow to promise. Then it would be for you to say yes and then forget about it. Are you hearing me? Because what it instills is that you are a sayer of something you don't actually do. Now, the good news is you can correct this pretty quick. Because just go to your wife after service later on tonight and say, what have I said I'd do that I hadn't done yet? Give me the list. Give me the list. And I want you to taste and see that your man is good. Are you hearing me? Now, don't be adding stuff to the list that you think they forgot about. You buy me diamond. <laughs> you give me flowers and a foot massage every... I never said that. It never came up in a conversation. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we have to be an example of doing what we say. Right? Because in the kingdom, there's no such thing as knowledge without doing. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, you can sit down. Ladies, stay seated. Because <laughs> y'all do what you say. Yeah, I know. That's bottom line. Because you do what we don't do that we said we would do. Because we come in and like, oh, I was going to do that. Well, I did. Just say amen anyway. I'd like to say that's not true, but it fits 95% of all women in this room right now. Maybe 98. There may be only a couple sorry ones in here. <laughs> it's so thin I can't pick you out, so we'll just act like you're all good. I'm sure it's the TV people. I'm sure it's one of them. <laughs> Are you hearing me? All right. He goes on, suppose a Christian, right? Verse 6, uh, 17. He says, so also faith, if it is unaccompanied by obedience. Now this is the problem. This is problematic with the false teaching out there concerning grace. Because grace doesn't work without faith. Period. Grace only functions with faith. We'll go back to where grace is first mentioned that we all jump on it called saving grace. You know, for it is by grace, but how? Through faith. So when it says, not of any works, lest any man should boast, all that means is, I am telling God. I determine what I do, and you have to accept that. That is your works trying to get God conformed 
to how you do it and it's acceptable. And you're doing something. You're doing something. You're feeding the poor. You're giving to somebody. You know, you've got your balance of being nicer. You've got your whole line of others that are way worse than you. And you say, now look at them. Now you know I'm better than that. Because you are establishing to God the baseline for what good is and you qualify. You hear what I'm saying? Now, you don't need faith because it's your words you're trying to perform. The only faith about that is that you're at making God believe what you're saying is true. But on the flip side, you're still doing something. You're doing what he says. In essence, faith is God saying to us, or faith in God. God says to us, you can't have a relationship with me unless you do this. So you had to do something. Grace alone did nothing. Grace alone through faith, and faith is believing a word, obeying it. And obedience is a work. I said it's a work. Period. It's a work. We're going to see this in James chapter 2. It's a work. What was the work you did? I actually believed in my heart. I did that. God didn't do that. I did that. God revealed his son to me. Revealed that there was a payment for me. Revealed to me I couldn't do it in and of myself outside of this action, this payment. And if I accept that payment and then yield to him and his kingship, his lordship in my life, then I'll be saved or I'll be born of God. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to humble myself and do it God's way. I'm going to believe that everything that is said that Jesus has done for me, I believe it is true. I am firmly persuaded. And now I'm going to, with my mouth, God's not forcing me. He's not a ventriloquist that reached in the spirit and got inside my body and started moving my mouth. I, of my own free will, did the work of saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. I repent of my sin and Jesus is Lord of my life. And in that work, which was believing God's word, grace showed up and evicted that spirit that was dead says, you're out of here. We got a new one. And it's so instantaneous. I mean, quicker than the blink of an eye that we're different. Then the Holy Ghost moves in. And says it's time to go to it's time to go to work. Because if you only go ahead, since everybody gets stuck on their little, you know, Ephesians chapter 2, 8, jump on down to verse 10. Tell you why you were saved. For good There it is. Which means now grace can empower you. To always hear God's word and act on that word, being a doer of that word, and God performing that word in your life because you're doing your part of obedience. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. If anyone could have lived in the time of which what you did didn't actually matter, 
and grace was enough, surely it would have been Adam. Who knew no sin was born of God and his nature. No sin in him. <laughs> All right. But what was required? Obedience. Son, you can eat from any tree of the garden. Son, you can do it. You can do it. But now the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you don't eat that one. Because the day you eat it, son, you're going to die. And there's nothing daddy can do to stop that death. It's going to happen. I said it's going to happen. You understand death still happens. Death doesn't cease to exist. Death doesn't end. Death is eternal. It'd just be cast into the lake of fire. <laughs> hallelujah. I said hallelujah. It'd just never be able to conquer anyone again, but it'll always be there. And those who loved it will be with it. Separated from God. Are you hearing me? All right. He goes on and says, so also faith, if it is unaccompanied by obedience, has no life in it so long as it stands alone. In essence, I have knowledge without action. Nay, someone will say, you have faith I have actions. Prove to me your faith apart from corresponding action, and I will prove mine to you by my actions. You believe that God is one, and you are quite right. Evil spirits also believe this and shudder. So knowing God can, and knowing what God can, and knowing all about God, would it, you just in line with a demon now. Come to church, know that David killed Goliath, know that God can deliver you out of your trouble, knowing that God can heal all your diseases, knowing that God has given you the fruits of the Spirit, knowing that God has redeemed you from having to be angry and to cuss and to gossip and to live a wild life full of the flesh. Well, the devils know that. So you've just put in your knowledge right up there with the devil, with demons. You don't want to go to demon universities, what I'm saying. Because the demons know the word. Satan knows the word. He quotes scripture, people. He did it to Jesus. Well, it is written now. Right? He's a scripture quoter. And his scripture quoting, memorization skills, does not redeem him. Doesn't give him life. And it will not give you life either without corresponding action. Are you hearing me? Okay, let me, let's close this down. Ooh, praise the Lord. You believe that God is one, right? Verse 20. But idle boasters who are willing to be taught... Are, he said, but idle boasters, are you willing to be taught how it is that faith apart from obedience is worthless? 
Take the case of Abraham, our forefather. Was it, was it or was it not because of his actions that he was declared to be righteous as the result of having offered up his son Isaac upon the altar? You notice that his faith was cooperating with his action and that by his action, his faith was perfected or made mature. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and, and his faith was placed to him to his credit as righteousness. And he received the name of God's friend. So God says, go kill your son. Won't you sacrifice him to me? And so he's like, okay. Abraham, what are you doing in a tent? Oh, man, you know, just been working the sheep. Uh, didn't I say go sacrifice Isaac? Oh, you know I'll do it now, Lord. I got you. Week later. Abraham, so uh, what's happening? Man, these sheep there, man, they got me running. <laughs> you know, I got my guys out there, you know. I mean, I, I, I know that you said to go sacrifice, but I'll get to it. You know I love you. We good. Now, now, listen, get your son. Goes, now, listen, you know, let's talk about that for a minute. Because, you know, you said he's my covenant kid. And I'm kind of struggling right now. I don't understand how I'm going to kill the guy. And he'd be my covenant kid. So, you know, you're going to have to answer that one. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, okay, let me go over here. It's not like he didn't have prior knowledge of something else. He said, no, Ishmael's not your kid. That's not the one we after. Sarah's got the kid, and then she had the kid, and then his name's Isaac, and now he's your covenant kid, but now kill the covenant kid. Well, this is confusing because you always do what you said, and the reason why I'm here is because I always believed you at your word, and you always do your word, and now I got your word because now I have Isaac, but now you tell me to kill Isaac. That doesn't make sense. So until you explain yourself, I'm going nowhere. No, Abraham said, hey, Isaac, we got a road trip. Now, all the while on the road trip, he's thinking because Hebrews 11 lets us know what Abraham's thinking. This is going to be something else. It must be that God's able to raise the dead because there's no way he would go against his own word. He's always done his word. And he said, this is the covenant kid, but yet he wants me to kill him. So he must going to raise him from the dead. This is going to be something else to watch. So this is what he's thinking. He is firmly persuaded that I'm going to drive this knife through my son. He's going to die on this altar, and then God's going to raise him up, and I'm going to watch this. No hard feelings, son. We good, right? And obviously he would be because God is in the midst of it. Are you hearing me? So he binds him, puts him there, all the while convinced that God must be able to raise the dead. So I'm doing this deal because who am I not to do what God says? And the Bible said he stopped him. He said, man, I know now. I know. I know. Because your actions have proven that you'll do whatever I say. Now, son, that's faith. But here's the thing. You don't have to kill your son. I'll take care of that with mine. Now, he didn't tell him that, but that's what's coming. You understand. So he said, there's a ram in the thicket. Go get it. Sacrifice it. You don't have to kill him. And that's your covenant kid. Are you hearing me? Oh, it goes. It gets more. He goes on and says in verse uh, 24. And you see all this because of his action that 
A man is pronounced righteous not simply because of faith, not because he just believed God, because he acted on what God said. You want to taste and see that the Lord's good, you're going to have to act on what he says in every situation. Verse 25, in the same way also was not, was not the notorious sinner Rahab. So just, just so we get in here, what I love about this, we get the covenant guy. Abram, this is where Israel, this is where God's nation shows up from the covenant man, Abraham. But now Rahab is not a covenant person. This is Gentile. This is somebody outside the covenant. This is a notorious sinner. I mean, they ain't coming after God. I mean, worshiping all kind of other gods but God. And he said, now we got this notorious sinner. Her name's Rahab, declared to be righteous. Why? Because of her actions when she welcomed the spies and hurriedly helped them escape another way. What did she believe? She believed that if I take care of them according to their word, they're not going to show back up and kill me with the rest of these people. And like they've been doing everywhere else and we've been hearing about it. But if I do what they say, and don't you know, when they showed up, and there they are, lined up outside Jericho, and they start walking around that building, that wall, that she's like, oh, Lord, gee, they, they're here. Okay. And she puts that little red scarlet thing. That's faith. That's a, she didn't say, oh, you know, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have time to put that out. You better get everybody. We don't have time. You know what? Listen, I, I, you just stay at the house. Because he said, everybody in this house gave them very specific word. She believed, but she had to believe based upon their word. If the scarlet thread's not in the window, she's dead. She's dead. She can't go, oh my God, you said you wouldn't kill me. They're like, we're looking for a scarlet thread, don't find a scarlet thread. Because again, the two boys ain't coming. Because again, we might get tied up. So here, here's the deal. You better put a red thread towel out your window so we know. Now here's the thing. They better be in the house. Because if they ain't in that, well, y'all don't want to hear this. There's so many references to houses. You want, you want the oil to flow? You better get in the house and shut the door. Okay. You, they better be in the house. Okay. Uh, We're going to put the do blood on the door. You better get them in the house. And everybody going to try to live for God outside the house. Oh, you don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear this. Because they want to live for Jesus outside the house, don't want to come to church, don't want to be associated with the body. They want to be out there. And then they wonder why the devil's whipping them, stripping them, beating them, tearing them down, always whipping their life. But I know God. I love God. I mean, God loves God. God's like, bro, I, you ain't got no faith. You got no corresponding action. You don't ever show up to church. You don't even read your Bible. You out there telling people that you're going to go to heaven, but you're living like the rest of the world. And you're going to come up in here and tell me that I owed you something. No, I owe you my word. And I gave you my word. Word, and you didn't believe me at my word. You didn't act on my word. So you got the result of something different. No, she said, I believe that word. Here's that red school. Y'all better get in this house. You better get in this house. They're like, they're here. What's happening? They ain't here. I don't know. You better stay in the day two. And these people are just walking around a building. What is happening here? We hear nothing out of these. Day three, day four, oh, I ain't got time for this, man. I ain't hanging up in this house. I got to go. 
I mean, most believers have a hard enough time just for an hour. Hanging up in the house for an hour. Jesus, pastor, glory to God, let's go. Hallelujah. Jesus. Is that what Church of Watch says? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Start to go to altar call. We're gone. We're out of here. We're gone. <laughs> Hit the door. Woo, we got there. Beat the crowd for the food. Well, you just left the best buffet in town. I said, you just left the best buffet in town. <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. Woo, glory to God. Let me wind this thing down. Praise the Lord. So here she is. She had corresponding action when she welcomed the spies and hurried them to escape. But just as a human body without a spirit is lifeless, so also faith is lifeless if it is unaccompanied by obedience. You cannot taste and see that the Lord is good and not be a doer. So we'll close with James, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, last passage of scripture. In John chapter 15, starting in verse 4, it says this. Jesus says, Jesus is talking now. Say Jesus. But we're all supposed to obey Jesus, right? Now, at the end of the day, you're supposed to obey all these scriptures because they're spirit-inspired. David was under the unction of the Holy Ghost when he wrote the Psalm 34. You understand, James was under the influence of the Holy Spirit when he penned his letter, and he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the law. He's talking to the church. He said, look, man, when it gets tough, just go ahead and shout for joy. Get all excited about it. But understand this. You're going to get excited when you're a doer of the word and not just someone who knows it and doesn't do it. So don't be some deceiver out there. Don't be like a deceiver and a deceived person that actually has a birthright to the covenant and be delivered out of all their trouble. Now, you got to act on this thing. you got to do what it says. I was talking to Tatias uh, at the Washington game uh, before he played his football or after their football game, who they won, destroyed them. Uh, they are undefeated since he's become coach. But he was saying, man, this morning, whoo, it was something else. He said, now, I was driving on the interstate, I-10, uh, or, or maybe 95, and he said, my truck broke down. I pulled over. Everybody just flying past me. I was on it for three hours. My dad came by, had to pick me up, you know. He said, don't, you know, don't know. He said, but man, I sure ate a lot of fruit that day. He said, I ate a lot of fruit this morning. And I knew what he's talking about. He's talking about the fruits. He didn't let it get him down. He didn't let it whip him. He didn't let it overcome him. He started to taste and see that the Lord was good in the midst of something that he, why did this thing break down? How come I'm on the side of the road today? We got things, you know, that's all right. I'm not going to let it get to me. I'm not going to let it overtake me. I'm not going to let it run me down. We got a game tonight. I'm not going to take it to the game. I'm not going to take it to my students. I'm not going to take it to my players. I'm not going to take it to my wife. I'm not going to take it to anybody. God's got this. It's going to be all right. And then he whipped the next team, destroyed them. They couldn't even score. He's like, mm, take that devil. I'm still good. I got it. My mind is completely there. Not worried about the vehicle because I had fruit to eat. Are you hearing me? You understand? Everybody, just like, doesn't matter that you're calling about my daughter's heart. Doesn't matter. I got a word from God. I have a report. I mean, you're just, your reports will end up matching our reports because who will believe the report of the Lord? So Jesus says, continue in me and let me continue in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, that is, if it does not continue in the vine, 
So neither can you if you do not continue in me. This is Jesus talking. Jesus never preached, ask me to come into your heart. Then my grace is going to overshadow you. You're good. Doesn't matter what happens now. Because when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And that's really all that matters. He never preached that. He never said that. Ever. It is not the gospel. It is demonic. It is the devil keeping you deceived and of no power in the earth. He never preached that. He said, now you're going to have to stay with me. You're going to you're gonna have to abide in the vine. That's your responsibility. Now I'm going to come on. We're going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to move the Holy Ghost in you. Then I'll let the Holy Ghost, I'll even command him to come upon you. And all these things are based upon your faith. He'll come in. I'll give you a new spirit and he'll move in if you'll believe. Then he'll come upon you and endue you with power if you'll believe. Then if you'll continue with me, then whatever I say and you believe it and act on it, I'll produce that fruit in your life. We'll co-labor together on this deal. This is not a one-time shot, one-time altar snot experience. This is a continuation of which he demands. The king demands action. There is no such citizen in the kingdom that he's like, y'all just retire, I got this. Today's U.S. modern-day Christianity is we've made Jesus the slave to us. I ask Jesus into my heart and say me, and then you do it all. I can't do nothing. Lord, I need this. Now, Lord, I need a promotion. Now, Lord, I need to be healed. Now, Lord, I need this. Now, Lord, you bless me with that. Come on. Let's get it done. Because the Lord's like, well, put your flesh down. No, nah, you know I can't. I'm no good. I, you, you, you do it. I can't do nothing. He's like, bro, you can do. Don't talk to me about what you can't do. I know you can because I know who's in you now. You lied to yourself. You better get up and do something. Now, Lord, you know you love me. We didn't go to church. No, I'm not going today. You know I've been working all week. I'm tired. We good, right? I don't know who you are. I ain't good with that. I said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. That's what I said. I didn't change that word. Didn't change it none. It's a corresponding action. Okay. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who continues in me and in whom I continue bears abundant fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, let me just say this. I am not saying that you are doing it all. I'm saying you're doing your part and you should be excited about that part. Yeah, I know. You know how many people will have said this? Man, the Lord blessed me and gave me that job. Right? Okay. So you go to the interview, you get the job, 
They tell you how much you're going to make and all your benefits. Correct? And you're like, God gave me that job. This is awesome. Right? God gave me this job. I'm blessed. You go home, you tell your wife, you tell your kids, whatever. Woo, man, we're making this much. God's blessed us. Wow. Start Monday. Monday shows up. And they're calling you. Hey, where are you at? What do you mean? Well, we hired you. How come you're not at work? Oh, bro, I don't do work. I'm blessed and highly favored. Just put the checks in. At your word. Blessed and highly favored. Are you hearing me? Now, you understand that employer, if they're like Jesus, according to most Christians thinking, they'd be like, well, sure, stay home. I mean, I'll do the work that I hired you to do. And I'll still pay you. Because I'm under grace and I don't actually have to show up. Are you hearing me? I'll come to work on Tuesday and Thursday. You know, I was going to come in last yesterday, but you know, it was a long night. I was out with the kids, a football game. I can't make it. You're going to pay me anyway. What, what? You got vacation time. Pastor, don't, you can't let that church control you. Well, if you're working for anyone, you're being controlled. Any company you work for, they're telling you when your vacation, how much you have. When you can take it. <laughs> yeah. It's the nonsense what people say. And it's nonsense how we talk about grace. When we actually have the joy to participate. The Lord called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said, now, son, come along with me and let's do something together. Yeah, dad, where do you want me to do? Stand over here. Yeah, dad, I'll stand over there. Dad's not doing that. I'm doing that. I'm standing exactly where dad said, and I get whatever comes by acting on that. Now, come over here and say this. Okay, I'll come over here and say that. Now, come over here and pick that up. Okay, I'll come over there and pick that up. And then he rewards me for the obedience, just like you go to work and you do your assignment that was part of your job description. And then when they pay you, they're only paying you what you agreed to do with your, with the effort. And again, God put the breath in your lungs. God's the one who's kept you healthy so you can do it. I understood but you still doing something. And then we're not going to come to church. We're not going to serve. We don't do anything when it comes to the things of God because by God, I don't have to. He has to bless me. You made God your slave. And you want to taste and see that the Lord's good. You have no corresponding action with your belief system. God will let you do whatever you want to do, but he will hold you accountable to whatever you do. That will happen. If anyone, we were shouting earlier, but that's okay. If anyone does not continue in me, he is like the unfruitful branch. Now the branch is connected to the vine. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. 
I am the vine, you are the branches, right? So if the, if the branch continues, right? If he continues, but he doesn't bear any fruit, this is problematic, right? He says he is like an unfruitful branch which is at once thrown away and then it withers. In essence, it's cut. Now, it was part of the vine, but it gets cut off. You know why the vine will cut a branch? Which actually is the father who does it. Because the father in this is the vine dresser. So when the father comes to him and says, well, this is Jesus. He's the vine. You're a branch in it. You've been engrafted in. Let me examine and see if you're producing the fruit of the kingdom. Are you a doer of what you're hearing, the supply that you're connected to? And if no fruit's out there, it's like, okay, let's, uh, hmm. Uh, we'll come back next year and see if we got something. Uh, hmm. No, that's no. We'll come back next year. We'll see. Uh, hmm. But we have a parable about that. There's a tree that didn't produce no fruit three years. And he's like, cut that thing down, man. That's why he said that. Cause see all these other trees around here, they're producing fruit. They're pulling from the resource. This thing's pulling from the resource, but it's not putting anything out. It's robbing the resource. It's self-consuming the resource and not having any fruit to give away. It's barren, although it's living. Cut it down. He says, let me dig around it, give it some fertilizer. That means let's get it under the word. Let's give it a, a revival of the word. And if a revival of the word and the spirit in it doesn't produce fruit the next year, then you know what? Ain't no hope for that thing. We cutting it down and it's no longer sucking supply. And he says, look, when the vine brancher comes through and says, look, if I'm looking for fruit and I don't see it, what's he do? I cut that off. The minute you cut it off, now it's just laying down at the base of the vine. And it's crying out because it's been cut. Now, if it repents, he can engraft it back in. You can cut a plant off one vine and engraft it in. Just because it's cut off doesn't mean it can't. But if you ain't going to produce fruit, he'll cut you off, and you better do something. But now people who produce fruit, he's like, wow, let me pull all that. Okay, now I'm going to cut here. Why? Because I need better growth. So you're always getting cut. You might as well get cut for growth and quick get, don't get cut for, for get cut off. So if you continue me, my stains continue you, you'll ask what you will, and it will be done for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. If anyone does not continue me, it's like an unfruitful branch. Once he's thrown into the fire, he withers up. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you continue me, and my sayings continue in you, verse 7, ask what you will, and it will be done for you. By this, by this, say by this. By this. God is not glorified because you ask Jesus into your heart right. to save you so when you die, you go to heaven. God wants everyone to taste and see through your life that he is good. So he says, if you continue in me and my sayings, ask what you will. And you will because you know what he's saying. And he has a final say and you'll say it. And you'll act on it and you'll be a doer of it and you'll actually have it. He said, by this, by that action, God is glorified by your bearing abundant fruit and thus being true. So being born again doesn't make you a disciple. It gets you enrolled in class. Being born again gets you enrolled in class. Again, 
The university accepts you to their college. Woo, I've been accepted. We're going to the university of full paid scholarship. This is amazing. Wow, been paid for it all. Aren't you excited? Yeah. Class happens. The instructor's there to call the roll. You ain't there because you don't you have forsaken the assembling of yourself in class. And I don't care whether it's online or not. Then you get the assignment. They pay for your textbooks, and now you got to do the assignment. But you've just been accepted. You don't want to put in the work to get to disciple level. And then we're blaming God. Go back to Psalms 34 so I can get y'all happy again. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth because I'm a doer of the word. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. I magnify the, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Why? Do what he says, only what he says, for it is written. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. I studied his word. I was in his word. I went after it. What's your way? How you want? What you need me to do? How do I act? How do I behave? How do I respond? I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me out of all my trouble. How did he deliver me? Because I was a doer of the word. He spoke and I heard, but I acted on. They looked at him and, and uh, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces uh, will never be ashamed. Why? I saw God's word. I hear God's word. I'm acting on that word. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all this trouble. The angel of the Lord encamped around those who fear him and rescue him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who fear, who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints. For to those who fear him, there is because your faith cannot fail. When you're a doer of the word, can't happen. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger because either people do it on their own, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and what? Do good. Be in faith. Be a doer of the word. Seek peace. Pursue it in the eyes of the Lord. I said the eyes of the Lord. I said the eyes of the Lord. I said the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 So this crew right here, this group right here, this is the group that always wins, that always overcomes, because we do what Dad says. We don't live dead faith. Our faith's alive because we do whatever he says.
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.